tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Tennis.com podcast, Olympic edition, of course. I am Ed McGrogan, talking with Pete Bodo. Just got finished uh, watching the fourth day of play at the All England Club. The matches uh, schedule is kind of on track now. Today was really threatening from the weather forecast, but they did seem to get most everything in despite a, a couple delays, at least on the singles draws, of course. And that's what we're going to focus on Um We'll look back at some of today's bigger happenings and then look ahead to um, you know the remaining schedules, who's on for the third rounds. Um, so today, Pete, when we in the morning, uh, you had Venus Williams starting off, coming off of a, of a very impressive win over Sarah Arani, and you you did wonder if you know it, it's so quick after she has that great result, and then she goes up today, you know, gets by another. Uh, another player that could certainly threaten her at this stage where she's playing so little tennis, Alexander Wozniak. And then you contrast that with Andy Roddick later on in the morning uh, getting Novak Djokovic, very hype match, and Roddick goes down like a drum, 2-1, and one, recalling some of his old Federer beatings at Wimbledon. So kind of wanted your thoughts on both of those matches. Well, you know, actually, I don't think it's quite fair to Andy to compare him to Federer beatings at Wimbledon. It's more like Federer beatings of Andy on hard courts or on clay, really. But uh, nevertheless, very, yeah, I, very I, I take your point, you know. Um, but, you know, those matches, the, the Djokovic-Rodic match was a severe disappointment. And anybody who wants to see Rodic win, and look, I'll confess I'm supposed to be, you know, relatively objective, fair-minded journalist. But, you know, you want this guy to win because you know how, how well he competes, how hard he competes how tough it's been on him to be living in a shadow of Roger Federer, three Wimbledon finals he lost to the guy, plus a semi. You know, I mean, you take Roger out of the equation, there's a very good chance Roddick has five or six grand slams. You know, but that's that's sports, that's how it works. But still, you have to feel for him because Djokovic today, I think this was a great, uh, an interesting match for Djokovic because to come up against a Roddick this early in the tournament, especially when there have been so many questions about Djokovic in terms of having, you know, been a little lackluster against Federer in a semifinal loss at Wimbledon and then, you know, have struggling the other day in his first Olympic match. Combine, combine that with the fact he's only won two tournaments this year. I only should be in quotes, of course. One of them is the Australian Open. And last year at this time he had eight tournament wins. So, you know, you, you're sort of thinking, well, maybe this guy can be beaten and maybe grass especially, which is, you know, you know, not his best surface, maybe that's where he can be tagged. So all this sort of energy was going toward Erotic. But Djokovic really, you know, I think he benefited from this because he got sort of a chance to show his true colors and to essentially hit the reset button. I don't think anybody walked away after watching this match thinking, oh, you know, Djokovic isn't confident enough to win here or, you know, Federer is going to, you know, have his way with Djokovic. I mean, this is, it was a big, big win. And, you know, and, it's, and look, nothing, nothing less than a very sad day for Andy Roddick. Yeah, I mean, they that term, statement match, I hate that term. It gets tossed around way too much. But I, I totally agree with your point that you do think of Djokovic in a little different light after seeing that uh, just destruction by him. And for Roddick, you and I talked about this last week before the games, really talked about how Roddick's medal chances, you know, if you thought about all the events he could potentially be playing, had had a, a fair shot, I think, better than a lot of people would have suspected maybe a few months ago. And he goes out round one doubles with Isner, um, suffers this really bad loss. Today they just released the mixed pairings, and Roddick is not doing that. For the, for the U.S., it's going to be both the Bryans, uh, Raymond, and Huber. So certainly, I think, a, a very disappointing Olympics for Roddick, who, I'm, who was probably gunning for this for quite a while this year. 
Well, yeah, on the other side of the coin, though, you have the Williams sisters, and, and you know, Andy's known plenty of success. So, you know, uh, he's, you know he's, he's, he's not going to be happy leaving London, that's for sure. I think his whole year, the air just went out of his whole year. I think he's sort of got a last hurrah at the U.S. Open. And then, you know, I get, get the feeling he's going to do some serious thinking about how much he's going to play in the coming years. Because, as Justin Gimelstaub said, as a commentator in, on Bravo Network, uh, where I watched the match, uh, you know, he said, you know, this match kind of shows that it's going to be very, very, very tough for Andy to compete with the very top guys going forward. All right, granted, it's a bad match, and Andy beat Federer just a couple months ago in Miami, but still, in these big events against these big players, it's tough. On the other hand, Venus, now she's 31 years old, so, you know, she's not going to go on forever, but if she has the kind of Olympics that it looks like she might have this year, she could really go out with a bang. I mean, she's uh, she's won five titles at Wimbledon. She's, she's hellishly tough on grass. Her big problem, to me, really right off the bat, is in the next round. Angelique Kerber has been playing fantastic tennis. She sort of got away from her a little bit at Wimbledon, even though she had a, a very long, tough match with Agnieszka Radwanska. But Kerber is just, you know, she won today one and one. The other day, she she crushed uh, Setkovska in the first set and then uh, was leading three love in the second when the Czech Republic girl retired. Kerber is a very, very tough player. I can see her on a medal um, on the podium. Uh, she will have to face... Uh, Serena, if it comes down to the uh, quarters, I guess, uh, two matches away. Uh, so let's not get Sorry, ahead yeah. of ourselves. But it's it, it's a tough thing. So, but but I th- I think if Venus can find a way to get by Kerber, you know, it's it, the shame of it. Then will be that she's going to have to play Serena if they both survive to that quarter, which is just too bad. Yeah, it, we can look at that draw actually a little bit while we're at it. It's actually the semis. That semis, you're right. I'm semi, sorry. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of getting used to the fact that there's only six rounds, not seven rounds of play. I think that's. I keep thinking Grand of, Slam seven rounds. You know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that top half. Now they are both like you're saying in the top half. There, um, the the opposing matches: Venus Kerber and Azarenka Petrova at the top. Um, Serena gets Vonareva in a match that I don't think should trouble her really at this point. Um, then it's Hantakova, Wozniacki. So yeah, that's the top there. The bottom, you still have, um, mo- you know, for the most part, like you were kind of saying before the tournament, the seeds are, aside from that really uh, day one where you had Lee Stozer go out, Radwanska really quickly after, most of the top-seeded women have um, done pretty well since then. Bottom, you got still Sharapova. Lizicki, who I picked to go very far, has um, she has progressed through two matches that went three sets and lost the first set and won the third seven five. Kleiser, Zivanovich, Kvitova. Um, so it's it's a very um, very nicely set up for the last couple rounds for the women here. It should be a competitive tournament. I mean, one of the things you have there is, I tell you, you have to watch out for Daniela Hantukova. The woman gets very, very – when she gets on a roll, she gets so streaky. She can find lines and just and just paint out winners with relatively flat balls like like nobody's business. And she beat Elise Cornet 6-3-6 love. Granted, Cornet is, you know, was in it with a wild card, I believe. And, yeah, Hantukova had also beaten Lina in the three-setter, a tough three-setter where it just wasn't like Lina just went away. So you got to watch her, though, and she's going to be a potential stumbling block for Caroline Wozniacki, who was number one in the world at this time last year, who, uh, you know, is seated number eight here. She's fallen fairly quickly and in desperate need of rehabilitating her, her reputation. I see her going out to Hantukova, which means a potential match between Hantukova and Serena Williams or Vera Zvonareva. Right. 
Um, let's go over to the men's, but start with a match today. The match of, I think, what turned out to be, of course, the match of the day. This was Joel Fritzanga, Milos Raonic, uh, 6-3, 3-6, The score, it almost um, didn't, I don't think it phased me as much as it probably should have because we've seen so many of uh, in the past few years. And even this year, you go back to the French, 18-16, Isner, Matu, you're seeing these huge scores here. So I want to ask you a couple questions about this match. You know, it's not really about the, the X's and O's. You definitely know what you got with two... There were no X's and O's in this one. Yeah, there was just it just two massive servers, just uh, three breaks, you know, one a set. It just, it is exactly what you thought it would turn out to be, and then some very, very more than that. So about kind of really the way this match exploded in terms of games. Um, first of all, do you think that you we talk about um, best of five set, best of three set men's matches, how it's different from the slams than it is here. And a lot of people have been criticizing the slams for not putting in that final set tiebreaker, um, just like the U.S. Open does. Now, do you feel any different, let's say, let's say if the men played best of three here, like they're doing here, do you, do you have a problem with how long this match went, or do you, would you prefer to see that tiebreaker still cap things off and make it a reasonable length you know, by comparison to the other matches? You know, Eddie, this was a tipping point match for me, basically. I've gone over to the other side now, and I, I'm totally for the tiebreaker, uh, in, particularly on grass, particularly in, 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 in you know, uh, best of five matches. You know, and my main reason, I think, is we'll, it's going to be interesting to see how Tsanga goes the rest of the way. But my main reason uh, is because the guy who pays a higher price is almost a winner. The guy who, the guy who loses a match like this is bummed out. You know, of course, Raonic will be tonight. But, you know, the guy who's going to pay a price, really, is going to be Tsanga because he's going to go out tomorrow. I presume he has to play doubles tomorrow. I haven't checked the schedule yet because they actually have postponed his doubles match from today, and he's a number two seed, he and Michael Lodro of France. So now he's going to have to go out at least play doubles tomorrow. I presume they can give him an off day in singles because there are six rounds in nine days, so there's a little bit of wiggle room in there. But, but you know, the leg weariness factor here is is really going to be significant. I think it's unconscionable in a way when you take a, a, a six-round, nine-day event and have guys playing two events to make them play on grass, this is now, to make them play out do sets. Uh, it's just wrong, I think. And, and they really have to re- revisit that and rethink that, even though I'd be the first to say we're unlikely to have another grass court Olympics in God knows how long. Right. You have to wonder, really, if, if the slams did end up being best of three somehow, if this kind of score would almost be more common. You, you had, you'd have guys really fresh after three sets of regular that's play right. here. And that's what I was kind of thinking today because none of these, because neither Songo or Rionic, even when the match was over, uh, you know, they weren't hobbling over. This was not a taxing four-hour, 48-game third set here. So you do wonder, really, if uh, how things might be if, if the rules were different, really. So it's... No, it wasn't even... Actually, Eddie, it wasn't even a four-hour match. It was close to four hours. Now, you, now that's a lot in the Olympic context, and it screwed up your schedule. They had to they had to put poor David Ferrer out somewhere in the hinterlands to play. But, you know, the center, bottom line is... Center court's not the hinterlands. They actually oh, did they, oh, they put him on, yeah. on center. Oh, I see, yeah. right. They moved him off yeah. one to center. Yep. Yeah, they gotcha. did. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I beg your pardon. <laughs> yeah. It's not the hinterlands. No, but I mean, you know, the point really is that it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough thing to... 
for four hours, it's a typical four-set Wimbledon match. This, is some, this also tells you something about the best-of-three format they use here because nobody blinks an eye at a four-hour match at Wimbledon, a best-of-five, and here you got a best-of-three, and it's an epic, you know, with a deep, deep scoreline, and yet it's still just, you know, just about four hours. So you could justify it, I suppose, on that grounds. But when you consider how much these guys are playing and how short a time, I don't think you can justify it. Let's um, kind of segue right from there into the draw where we are at the men, of course, down to the final 16. Sanga gets Lopez next. Um, you've kind of been talking about him a little bit in your post there. That you know that certainly does seem like it has that potential to see Sanga go out right then and there. I mean, Sanga's a great player on grass, of course. Anyway, opposing that match, you get Hewitt against Djokovic. Um, Hewitt beating Chilich today in a surprise in straights. Um, Gosh, you got to love that little guy, huh? I mean, you know, Hugh is unbelievable. Five surgeries, 31 years old, number 178 in the world, or wherever the heck he is. You know, it's triple, deep in the triple digits, and he comes up with this win today. You know, you got to love the guy. He's a terrific little player. He'll be on center for sure against Djokovic there. Um, the others at the top, Murray gets a pretty, a pretty good draw into the, I would think the semis, if he keeps it up, he's got Baghdadis next. If you remember Baghdadis and him played that match that was threatened to be stopped with Murray, basically a game away from winning at Wimbledon, but everybody came to their senses, let them play past 11 o'clock. Um, Almagro also that Murray was struggling in that match. I mean, Baghdadis served for the fourth set, I think it. We know with the two set. Uh, you know, I, I think he served for the fourth set in that one. It's true. That's that is the type of match where you do wonder about the format and how that could. Uh, you know, obviously only needs to win two of three there. Almagro and Darsis at the top of that half there, and then the top half of the brackets. Um, it, it looks like it's well. I shouldn't say this, of course. Isner Tipsarovich is a good one, and the winner of that almost surely gets Federer. Federer gets Istomin up there. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't be so sure about that. Istomin. Before the tournament even started, Istomin has been one of these guys who's he's played a lot of tough matches. He's a big guy. He's a strong guy. He's good on his fast, faster surfaces. Uh, I think there's there's real potential there for an upset. I think Istomin is kind of one of these really under the radar guys. He's from uh, Uzbekistan, so nobody really knows much about him. You know, he kind of falls between the cracks in in terms of the media and the pundits and everything else. The guy's a tough, tough player, though. Are you gonna? You know, obviously talking a lot about Roddick today, going this Djokovic match. Are you are you willing to go the same route with him against Tipsarovic here? Because Isner, Isner, you know, has won the two matches. Of course, the competition hasn't been hasn't been anything close to what he's going to get from Tipsarovic. He beat Rokas and Jaziri his first two matches. So that's you know, what do, what do you think about Isner and uh, Tipsarovic there? Oh, I like Isner. I don't think I don't think I don't think Yanko's got enough sort of force and firepower to to hurt Isner in a way that you need to hurt him, I think, to win those matches. I mean, he's, he's a tough, tough player. He, he could do it, but I think if Isner serves well and just puts together, you know, looks at enough second serves, he, he ought to be able to get through that. I mean, if I were, if I were Isner, I wouldn't be too unhappy about getting Tipsarevich on grass. The last four guys we haven't mentioned yet, uh, I think there's cases to be made for each of them. Uh, Ferrer, Nishikori, and then Simone and Del Potro. Uh, Del Potro, never a, a grass court, no, never known for his grass court play, but I think it's one of probably the better quarters of this draw here. So any any thoughts of of those four, I suppose? 
Well, he's he's played very well on grass. He lost at Wimbledon to Ferrer, um, you know, and and actually Ferrer really sort of took it to him. To him, it wasn't a very close match, but you know he had a good Wimbledon up to that point, and Ferrer had a terrific Wimbledon. So you know, I I think Del Potro looks like a different, uh, you know, different, much better grass court player today than he did a year ago, and um, I don't. I don't really see Simone giving him such a hard time. I think, I think Simone's victory over Dimitrov, three and three, given how much talent Dimitrov has and how much people talk about him, was kind of a real stunner. Um, I, I, I think Del Potro gets through that pretty easily. Uh, Ferrer Nishikuri, I see as a real kind of a war. I mean, Nishikuri is very much like a Ferrer type player who doesn't, who's going to just stand in there and, and gut it out and grit it out and grind. He's he's really a grinder, and so that's going to be an entertaining match, I think. Well, and you can all find out, of course, all our commentary on that at tennis.com. The podcast will not be back for quite a while. Pete, of course, knows why. And, uh, yes, we'll be probably not till the U.S. Open preview week, I believe, actually. so you got you got to tell our folks why. Got to do it. I, well, I have, I have my gold medal match this, uh, this Friday, getting married. Ed, so. Ed's going for gold. We'll, yes. be, we'll be with you from Garrison up in Garrison, New York, right? Well, <laughs> We'll not be podcasting, I can assure you, that day. So, but Pete will <laughs> oh, be there. Oh, shucks. So, yeah, we'll have a good time otherwise. So, um, we'll be back, like I said, just before the open on the podcast. Um, through Folks, you can send your wedding presents for Ed to uh, tennis.com. Yeah, podcast at tennis.com. You can send them right there. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll be back uh, with all the masters, of course, in the meantime, Pete and Steve, all the rest of our commentary here. Thanks for listening, tennis.com. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 